This is David Johnson, and you're listening to Roster Watch. Ladies and gentlemen, Roster Watch Nation, welcome back to the epic Roster Watch podcast brought to you by rosterwatch.com. My name is Alex Dunlap, and joining me today, a very special guest. His name is Graham Barfield. You can find him on Twitter at Graham Barfield. He's uh, he's one of the what? Graham, are you like the lead fantasy analyst at Fantasy? What do you do? Do you have a fancy title over there at FantasyPoints.com? I, they gave me a fancy title. I, I don't know. We're all just co-owners. Uh, all, co-owners. All yeah, we're all co-owners. Oh, so. <laughs> we got the ballers here uh, on the on the podcast today. Of course, you guys know. You know if if you've been following us you know what great friends we are with the guru john hansen and with um you know he's 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 done a really good job putting together a a new team there for his new venture fantasypoints.com including graham barfield including our great friend scott barrett who we've had on this podcast numerous times and on the sirius xm show same with john proctor been on this pod numerous times sirius xm show and uh, other guys you've heard on Sirius, like Joe Dole and you, you know, uh, listeners to the game day program know that we have Adam Kaplan on every Sunday morning. He's a part of that uh, that team over there at Fantasy Points. So just a great team that they've put together over there. You can find their content at FantasyPoints.com. And again, you can find Graham on Twitter at Graham Barfield. All right, Graham. People want to know about yards created. You are the author of it. It says it right there on your on 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 your Twitter page. Can you just explain? I've heard you talk about yards created before. I guess what is sure. this is a system you've devised to? Why don't you just let listeners know? Yeah, sure. Uh, so yards created is a, uh, a charting process that I started five years ago for for college running backs, and basically the the best way to think of it and the best way to explain it is. Uh, it's it's what the the yards or running back should be accredited after his offensive line has or has not done its job, and it's definitely like a, a subjective type of film study that I do on a per play basis. I usually watch six or seven games of game film, just full games of uh, you know the top ten, top fifteen running backs in every class, um, and you know I'm basically just charting plays. I'm charting you know not only rushing production for for yards created, but charting missed tackles forced. Uh, I'm charting uh, passing down snaps, pass protection snaps. So it's kind of like a full snapshot of a running backs game. And, um, you know, I went into it, uh, you know, five years ago thinking it would kind of be more of like a descriptive type process where it was, uh, you know, just kind of like, let's learn about these players, learn, you know, where their pros and cons are, where their strengths are at, uh, where their weaknesses are at, where they could improve. Uh, but it's kind of, it's, it's, been a little more predictive than I thought it would be, which is which has been nice. It's been it's been really cool. You know, the, if you look, uh, go on the site right now, fantasypoints.com. Go to the research tab. We've got all the yards created metrics up there, and um, some of the guys at the top are, are the names you'd expect. You know, Saquon Barkley, Joe Mixon, Zeke Elliott, uh, some some really high end producers. But it's also uh, kind of uh, I think illuminated some of the the 
guys that we were kind of questioning, you know, Christian McCaffrey, Kareem Hunt was one of the most underrated prospects that Yards created on. So um, it's it's been a cool process, man. It's it's definitely been um, a labor of love, and I, I love doing it every year. Kareem Hunt was one where it's like, I think I remember hearing you talk about how he had been good at Yards created, and that was something where it just – it was like with Kareem Hunt's year, we just kept on getting, you know, more and more, you know, as we went through the process and saw him at the senior bowl. And then we hear about your yards created and you hear about how PFF had him graded and you hear about all the, yeah. it's like more it's and more stacking on top of it. You know, it's uh, you get more and more of that confirmation and just a, another great checkpoint. There is your, is yards created. I have a question considering how shitty his offensive line was. How did, how did Cam Akers rate out in yards yeah. created? So Cam Akers actually had the worst offensive line I've ever charted. They were dead last. (laughs) Yeah, dead dead last in yards blocked per attempt, man. Like just that bad. They were so brutal. I mean, he was was hit behind the line of scrimmage on like over 30% of his carries. He was just – he had no chance on some plays. Um, Yeah, I mean, uh, Akers didn't fare – like just because his yards per carry was pretty low um, because his offensive line was so bad, he didn't have uh, just like a crazy yards created total, but he was really good at missed tackles forced. I think he was uh, tied for fourth or fifth in this class and missed tackles forced. And he's obviously a good receiver too. Did, are there any other guys like as far as for this year or maybe just in previous years that you've, that you've, um, that you've charted for your yards created where, you know, maybe in 2020 you could be a little bit higher on than consensus because, you know, because of the, predictive aspect that, that you've, you, you've identified within the system. Yeah, man. I keep, I keep coming back to Joe Mixon. Like the, the biggest thing for me is like, he, uh, he's always been a highly elusive runner. He's always had those, those highly elusive traits that we look for in our running backs. But the biggest thing that the Bengals need to do is get him involved in the passing game. You know, that's been the biggest bugaboo for his ceiling is, you know, he's always been stuck around, you know, eight to 10% target share. And if, uh, you know, if Joe Burrow and, and uh, Zach Taylor start scheming up a couple extra looks from the passing game, uh, he's, he's going to make that next step uh, to become an elite fantasy back because that's really the only thing we're missing. Um, you know, he's, he's been able to produce behind a bad offensive line in Cincinnati for, for multiple years now, and he's going to have to do it again, and he will do it again. Uh, we just, we just got to get him more involved in the passing game. Well, I think they're going to need to because if you look at what they've done, you know, people keep talking about how the offensive lines improved because they have Jonah Williams sort of getting a red shirt, you know, sort of getting his red shirt season this year after tearing his ACL, their first round pick in 2019. But if you look at that offensive line, it still sucks. It's like as overall, it's just not good. I think they're going to have to get him involved in space and and in the passing game. And we've seen that Joe Burrow is a quarterback very capable of doing that along with Clyde Edwards Hilaire which kind of like I didn't tell you I was gonna ask you about this but it segues well into the other question I had like do you, what a conversation we had this weekend on our serious show that continued on Saturday and Sunday that I still kind of am torn over I know you like Clyde Edwards Hilaire do you where are you on Clyde Edwards Hilaire versus versus Mixon if yeah if, if you're picking it like the 1.07 and both of them fall to you yeah, man, that that is such a tough spot, you know. Like, I'm, <laughs> it is. I've got That's Derek, why I'm asking. <laughs> I, yeah, man, it's it's so hard. Like, if when once Derrick Henry and Dalvin Cook are gone, Mixon, Sanders, and Clyde Edwards-Alaire are, I mean, they're so they're all so close. Um, the one thing that I, you know, obviously that I guess you could make the argument for Edwards-Alaire over those two guys are is just the Chiefs' offense is just. 
uh, it's going to be bonkers this year. There's going to be so many layup opportunities for Edwards Alaire and just so, you know, there's just not enough competition for touches for him. Uh, but Edwards Alaire, you know, just wrapping back to yards created, he was a pretty productive inside runner. Uh, so I chart yards created on inside and outside carries, um, you know, in between the tackles and off tackle. And Edwards Alaire actually created more yards per attempt on his inside carries than DeAndre Swift, AJ Dillon, Cam Akers, and Zach Moss. And all of those guys, especially Dylan and Moss are, are, you know, heralded as good inside runners. So just oh, because man. he's, yeah, just cause he's a smaller guy, doesn't mean he can run, he can't run inside and man, like him in a featured role uh, with this chief's offense, it's, it's going to be ridiculous, but man, like I, I really don't have a good answer. It's just so close. It's so close. And it's, um, I, I really think it comes down to your scoring system. I mean, if you're playing a full PPR, I think you would make the case for Edwards Alaire just cause the, the target should be there. Uh, but if it's half, or standard, probably I'd lean back to Sanders or Mixon, but it's it's all it's all so close in that tier. Clyde doesn't seem quite as safe, I guess. But then, I mean, we're hearing reports like I was worried about DeAndre Washington maybe biting some biting some action off, but we're hearing reports now from Chiefs camp that's like Clyde's the lead dog, and and it's and it's Darrell oh, yeah. Williams coming in behind him. It's, it, it it isn't even DeAndre Washington, so I don't know. It seems like Clyde's got a pretty safe pretty safe role there. You mentioned Zach Moss. Um, I did. I wasn't that big a fan of him uh, through the process. I was just wondering, though. You said that he wasn't very. Uh, he wasn't good between the ta- He wasn't as good between the tackles as Clyde. But PFF, like, how do you square the P? I think PFF didn't they have him as their number one runner in the class, like, or something? They were pretty high on him. Yeah. Did Did you chart him with a bunch of force missed tackles or something? Because they had his. his really high elusiveness for him yeah i did he was third in this class and missed tackles forced like right at the top of the class um he's very very good uh through contact like that's where he forced a lot of his missed tackles the thing with moss though man is like he just doesn't have a lot of burst it's kind of like the david montgomery david montgomery conundrum you know like that initial two to three yard burst you know in college he can get past some of these linebackers that are just you know middling talents but in the nfl uh, it's really hard to win off contact balance consistently. Um, I, I like Moss for fantasy simply because he's going five or six rounds later than Devin Singletary, and I think there's a chance that both of them see the same amount of touches. And frankly, I think Moss might get the more high-value touches as, you know, as a receiver and at the goal line. Uh, but I'm kind of with you. I was kind of wishy-washy on Moss, and I, I've kind of come back around on him just because the landing spot and I think – uh, the the touches should be there, but honestly, man, like this Bills backfield probably just won't be one that we're you know you know picking for fantasy that's going to be super high value. The 2020 Roster Watch Draft Cheat Sheet is available now at rosterwatch.com. The revolutionary cheat sheet is back. Just follow the three simple rules, and an expert quality draft is guaranteed. That's it. Three simple rules. It doesn't get any easier. Winning fantasy players don't use outdated magazines or expensive draft software that's impossible to navigate. Just bring along. The the roster watch cheat sheet to your draft and dominate it's only 5.99 download now at rosterwatch.com it's the ultimate draft cheat sheet only at rosterwatch.com you mentioned david montgomery and he was on my list to kind of ask you about to see what you thought because he's another one of these guys like a zach moss who when you look at what sports info solutions and pff and some of these uh charting companies uh, that do college stuff say you know on one hand, no breakaway runs for David Montgomery during his uh, last season of college for over 20 yards. But, you know, he did have the most uh, – I think him and Kareem Hunt had the four, most force missed tackles they'd ever charted. Um, 
that kind of reminds me maybe of a Zach Moss because, you know, no burst, but some sort of elusive ability, like you mentioned, sort of running through traffic. Is, is, is David Montgomery even good enough to be a, to be a, you know, a reliable fantasy option for us? We, we had Brian Perez, I saw, uh, who writes for, I think, the Sports Illustrated. He writes for one of these sites that covers the Bears. And hey, he could be kind of homerism there for him because he, he covers the Bears. But he says, I don't understand how he's going as like RB26 or something. He's, he's about to rush for 1,300 yards. And I was kind of like, this guy's so sure he's going to rush for thirteen hundred yards. Like, I mean, yeah. it, like, where where are you on David Montgomery? What do you? I mean, that seems, seems like a wild wild idea. Some of these people are tossing out. Yeah. So for for yards created um, back in twenty nineteen, he led that class in missed tackles forced uh, over Josh Jacobs. Uh, Zach Moss was actually third in this class over uh, just behind Acres and C, uh, Clyde Edwards Alaire. But for Montgomery this year, the number one thing that, that I, I guess you have to keep coming back to with him is just the workload should be there. I mean, Tariq Cohen cannot be an inside runner in the NFL. Uh, they've talked about, you know, getting Corderell Patterson more involved in the run game. And uh, that's fine, but he's, you know, he's not going to be a guy that you're going to handle, you know, you know, give a big volume of carries to. Um, you know, Montgomery last year, the role is awesome, you know, at least as a runner, you know, he was handling, you know, over 60% of the team's carries. He was the goal line back. He actually led all running backs last year in terms of his team share of his carries inside of the five yard line with 86%. Uh, the role should be there with Montgomery. It's just, uh, the offensive line is terrible. Uh, he's always going to be a type of guy kind of like Moss. That's going to, uh, you know, kind of take what the offensive line gives him, but he's going to need some help to get to the second level, either through the scheme or he's going to have to, you know, force missed tackles through uh, contact balance. And at the NFL level, that's really hard to do consistently. Cause I mean, man, those, those linebackers and safeties, like they, they're just a lot. It's just a totally different speed and a totally different animal uh, to win from contact balance. But yeah, I, you know, I don't know if Montgomery Montgomery's not going to run for 1300 yards. That's, that's a pretty strong projection, but um, solid. <laughs> I don't think it was a projection. I think it was just yeah. a take. <laughs> yeah. That's a strong, that's a strong projection, man. But like 950,000 yards, he's probably a good bet to score a couple more touchdowns this year. You could do worse with him uh, as your RB two in like the fifth or sixth round. I'm, I, w- I want to ask you about some wide receivers, but I, I know that, hell, you're a fantasy analyst. This all, all this shit's in your wheelhouse, but I know running backs are really in your wheelhouse. So I just want to stick on a couple of running back subjects before going over there. So what about Leonard Fournette? He's a lightning rod. You got guys like Evan Silva coming out and saying that you're the worst player in your league if you draft <laughs> Leonard Fournette. You have other guys like my buddy, um, my buddy Matt. You know Matt Kelly from yeah, Player of course, Profiler. Of course. So like, so like, you know, he's he now all of a sudden I've been – you know, all of a sudden now he's, you know, he's, he, he's on Leonard Fournette, which is mm-hmm. just something I never expected. Um, cats are, you know, cat cats and dogs are playing with each other. Everything's upside down. Where, like, where, where are you on Leonard Fournette this year? Yeah, I saw Silva's tweet. And honestly, I, I, he's obviously saying that to get a reaction and it's partially true. Like if you're drafting Fournette in the late second round, like, you need to reevaluate your process, man. Cause like the, the receptions are not going to be there this year. You know, he, he lucked into those 70 plus receptions last year, simply because outside of DJ Chark, the Jags didn't have anything at receiver like Gardner Minshew was just, they were constantly trailing. It was all garbage time. It's not like he was really earning those targets. They're just through the context of the game. They were, uh, Fournette was just, you know, getting dump offs. You know, now they've added LaVisca Chenault, who's basically, you know, a running back playing wide receiver. I think he's going to get a lot of those shallower dot targets that Fournette was getting. He should get a lot of the schemed looks. Uh, they'll just be more efficient plays. Uh, and, you know, for better or worse, Jay Gruden loves Chris Thompson. He's going to play Thompson in passing down situations. So 
Um, I have projected Fournette for around uh, about 50 targets. Uh, that would be around a little bit around like a little bit less than half mm-hmm. what he got. A little less than half. Yeah, that what that what he got uh, last year, and it's simply just because I think the Jags are going to be looking to get Chenault the ball more. Uh, I have not drafted Fournette hardly at all. Like, I think you're the worst player in your league if you're taking Todd Gurley in the third round. That's a whole other discussion. Uh, but <laughs> but but Fournette Fournette would have to slide into like the the fourth late fourth to early fifth round for me to take him because you know we just discussed David Montgomery. Uh, they basically, in my opinion, they'll have the same exact role. They're going to, you know, be the early down back. Uh, they'll play on some third down in some passing situations. Both will probably get around 50 targets. Both will be heavily involved at the goal line. Both are attached to bad offensive lines and bad offenses. You know, the difference is Fournette goes in the third round and David Montgomery goes in the fifth. I can't believe we're having to call the Bears offensive line bad, but it's, 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 it's where bad. we're at. Yeah, it's gotten bad. At. Um, and, and the other thing is David Montgomery can, can catch. I mean, if you can go, you, you can go to YouTube and just type in David Montgomery diving catch. Yeah. yeah and, and see the, uh, yeah, but I mean, like we, we saw some awesome, like diving, like extending catches from David Montgomery before. I think he might even have a little bit more natural, you know, natural, natural receiving skill. Uh, what about, all right. So you, so you mentioned Todd Gurley. Is he dust? They're talking about how he's limping around camp. They're saying he can run, but he limps when he walks. What the hell does this mean? And, and like, is 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 David Johnson done? Like, how do you make sense between those two guys, David Johnson and Todd Gurley? Yeah, so I don't know if that – there was a beat writer that came out and said Gurley's limping. I mean, look, anybody can go back and, and watch Gurley's tape from last year and see that he was, you know, a shell of his former self. I mean, the, the burst was not there. The agility wasn't there. Uh, the biggest red flag for me is, like, you know – in a year where the Rams threw it over 600 times, Gurley was not involved in the pass game. Like he was just not earning those targets like he used to be because he was an amazing receiver. Uh, I, I think Sean McVay knew that he was just not the same player anymore and he didn't give him the same role. Um, he's going to have to basically this, have the same environment uh, for Gurley uh, as he had last year. He's just going to have to luck into you know double-digit touchdowns to pay off his ADP. I just don't see a ceiling for Gurley at all. Uh, at cost and kind of the same thing with David Johnson, man, like Duke Johnson's not going to go away. Duke Johnson got 60 targets last year. I think that'll dip some for sure. Uh, But, but DJ, you know, again, he's had one good year. Um, He's dealt with injuries his whole career. Basically. I thought going back and watching their tape last year, I thought DJ had more burst uh, and a little bit more left in the tank, like early in the season compared to Gurley. Uh, and then he just had all those injuries pile up and that was kind of it for DJ. But yeah, I, I, I just really haven't found myself drafting much Gurley or DJ or Fournette, frankly, in the same ADP range, just because the wide receivers, you know, that go in that range, Alex, are just crazy. I mean, such such great wide receiver depth this year in that range. I, I was watching Texans training camp live earlier, I guess, where they're, you know, they're, they're streaming all these training camps, which yeah. is Pretty, pretty good. It sucks. Really we can't cool. beat all of them, yeah, but really it's, cool. it's pretty cool. We can watch. And so, but they had, uh, whenever they went to team, they had David Johnson in there for the early downs. And basically every time they got to a third down, they brought Duke Johnson in. And the great, do you know what the craziest thing was is when they started goal line, they had number 24, Karan fucking Pigden in there. Yeah. So I'm just wondering if they have some kind of weird goal line ideas about that guy. Um, you know, he was in, in with the first group with Deshaun Watson and the first, you know, the first offensive line and the, you know, the big jumbo package. So it's like, what's, 
do they have like David Johnson or something at the goal line? That just something to monitor. Um, all right. So whenever we talk about these guys who are you're you're not interested in Todd Gurley, David Johnson, well, maybe you can answer this for me. Why is everybody so high on Chase Edmonds? I know he's I I I know that he's a great handcuff. I know we all we were all able to. I mean, I loved what he was able to do versus the Giants that one week when, when Kingsbury lied to us and told us that David Johnson was active, but then he didn't play him. Yep. Um, what, what do you, what do you think? Like, wh- why are we looking at him as a late round target over guys like Damian Harris? Or we talked about Deandre Washington earlier. Like, do, do you think he's a, a, a good late round target and, and why over a guy like Damian Harris? I'm definitely with you on Harris. Uh, Harris could be, you know, their featured runner week one. So I, I certainly wouldn't take Edmonds over Harris at this point in the draft. But I, I do think Edmonds is probably one of the most undervalued handcuffs because, oh, I mean, if Kenyon right. Drake, yeah, if, if Kenyon Drake goes down, man, like it, that's it. It's Edmonds. I mean, Eno Benjamin yeah. is just he's a satellite back. You know, that's mm-hmm. all they got. That's really all they got. So I guess that's the whole rationale behind Edmonds. And you know, we've we've we got one game where he was, you know, a bell cow player and uh, he exploded. Um, so it was nice to at yeah. least see it once, but I'm kind of with you. I think that, you know, if you're trying to draft for upside Damien Harris and, uh, maybe even Deandre Washington, they're kind of all in the same tier. So I'm, I'm definitely with you that, uh, the collective like fantasy hive mind on Edmonds has been a little, it's been a little too much at times. Okay. Uh, so I told you, I wanted to talk a little bit about some wide receivers and I've had trouble recently ranking, um, Right, you know, mainly for dynasty, but like, do you have any opinion, like, between Henry Ruggs, Justin Jefferson, and Jerry Judy for for twenty twenty for redraft? And then, is it any different the way you've been thinking about it for for dynasty? I think I know how I like him for redraft, but for dynasty, I'm having trouble with those guys. Yeah, redraft. It's I think it's it's clearly Ruggs at the top. Um, yeah. I think so. I just think Judy's got a lot more competition for targets, but for, for dynasty, I like Judy the most. Okay. Uh, yeah. I like Judy the most, uh, just because he, I mean, I'm a big fan of, of, uh, wide receivers that create separation. I think that's like the number one trait that you should look for in a wide receiver. And Jerry Judy's like maybe one of the best separators we've yeah. seen come out in recent, uh, recent history. Um, you know, the Broncos quarterback room is obviously, you know, up in the air. Drew Locke is, is definitely uh, he's definitely got a lot to prove. But I, I just think Judy's the better prospect compared to Ruggs and uh, Jefferson. Jefferson's, Jefferson's been one of the toughest evaluations for me, man, because like on the one hand, the Vikings have plenty of opportunity now that Diggs is gone. But, you know, he's a player that's going to have to win outside. They're going to ask him to win on the perimeter. And, you know, he just wasn't used that way. Uh, last year at LSU. Now, granted, the year before, before Jamar Chase was Jamar Chase, they did play him outside more. So at least he, he does know, you know, he, he knows how to separate outside. It's just, I just don't know if they're, one, the Vikings are going to throw enough to get him the, the ball consistently for our purposes, for fantasy enough. And two, I just don't know how great of an outside separator he is, you know? Generally, these guys that were two-star athletes out of high school weren't the best outside separators. Yep. You know, um, so do, does that mean that you, that you think do, do do you think the Vikings are going to keep Adam Thielen in in the slot and they're going to move Justin Jefferson out? Like that's a pretty tough that's a pretty tough call to make. They, yeah, they're both, they're both guys you'd optimally probably want to have on the slot. That's why I thought it was kind of a weird pick. It was a weird pick. That I think I think 
like you said, optimally, they're both slot receivers. They're both guys you want to put in the slot 50% of the time. I think they're going to put Thielen outside. Thielen can win outside. Like you look into his yards per route run, like he's actually slightly more efficient running outside. So he he's a guy that can separate oh, on the outside. Wow. I think I think they're going to put Jefferson in the slot when they go into to 11 personnel through wide receiver. I think they're also going to be in 12 a bunch this year between so he's gonna have to play outside in twelve, but you yeah. think he'll 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 bump in at, in, in, in eleven? Wide. Yeah, I think they'll I think put. I think that's probably right. I think they'll put BC Johnson outside uh, when they go into eleven. What a bad! What a I mean, God, just a weird pick. Good. Just a weird yeah. pick. Scott Scott Barrett has been mentioning this too. He was um, uh, he goes through all the post draft press conferences of all these GMs and stuff, and he said Rick Spielman was like, "Oh, this 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 didn't have anything to do with the fit on our team. It was just a value pick." It's like. Okay, I get it. Maybe he's a value relative to that draft slot, but like you basically had, like you said, you've got two slot wide receivers now, um, and and one is a rookie. Uh, you know, I just I, I'm I'm with you. It's just a weird pick. So his uh, the former former Vikings quarterback Teddy Bridgewater now in Carolina. I saw when I was getting ready for this uh, getting ready for this show that you've recently done an article about superflex draft strategy. Mm. Do do you have a do you have a a quarterback at 80 how basically i i have two targets that i like as my quarterback too that i can get in generally the same spot teddy bridgewater and joe burrow you got to reach a little bit higher for joe burrow but they kind of have a similar strategy when you uh, are targeting either of those guys as your quarterback too is there one of those guys that you favor over the other yeah i like burrow a little bit more than bridgewater for what it's worth teddy bridgewater is like my most drafted uh, quarterback in best ball this year, just cause he's, he's no. free. He's free. Right, man. Yeah. Yeah. He's free. He, and, and everybody loves the Panthers, but you know, all the Panthers weapons, but nobody loves Bridgewater. It doesn't make any sense, but I like bro a little bit more. Uh, another uh, QB two that I love in super flex this year is Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, I think the Niners are going to have to throw it a little bit more. Their game scripts are going to be a little bit, uh, a little bit worse and they have a great schedule. Great uh, schedule. Awesome schedule, especially early in the year too. They've got a really nice schedule. So I like Jimmy G uh, but Burrow, man, like that's that'd be the QB two that I'm looking at uh, in Superflex, just because the floor should be there in terms of volume. The Bengals are going to have to throw a ton, and obviously Burrow has upside not only because he's a great talent, but he's a great scrambler. Um, he scrambled a bunch in college, um, and I think he's going to have to scramble a bunch this year because the Bengals' offensive line stinks. The it's, a, it's 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 weird ADPs on all these quarterbacks. It's like everybody knows now that you can get them just so late, even yeah. these guys that you would expect and normally not be able to, I mean, get Aaron Rodgers in the 13th round of your draft. You get Matt Stafford in the 14th. It's, it's, it's wild. Um, are, are there any, what's the most egregious, what's the most stupid, like what's the dumbest ADP out there that you tell people that they're idiots for taking a guy here, whether it's too early or too late? Um, yeah. At quarterback or any position? Any position. Okay. Um, man. Well, I know I talked about Gurley, but that'd be one. I mean, just, <laughs> you just hate it. I, I just man. that's your Silva take, like like I just, like your Fournette. <laughs> I, well, my thing is just like, where's the upside coming from? You know, like he's got to score double digit touchdowns to pay off that cost, and as we know, you know, touchdowns are super finicky. Um, I, you know, another one for me, and and I don't I don't really know um, kind of what has driven the the bandwagon. Uh, for for aj green but like six round man for aj green um is is pretty egregious to me too i i'm always trying to shy away from these perceived injury discounts and you know i love aj green as a player he's he's been just he was a money maker early in his career because he was so undervalued 
Um, but he's gotten to a point now, sixth round, he goes in the same round as, as Tyler Boyd, who I think is just a straight up a better pick. Um, mm-hmm. and, and AJ Green is, you know, now he's 32 years old. We know all the, the injury concerns with him, but I, I just think this offense is fundamentally different than what he previously had. I mean, he was the alpha, and now they have Tyler Boyd. They drafted T. Higgins. They're going to get John Ross the ball deep. Um, this is not the same Bengals offense that he had in you know, 2017, 2018 when he was a baller. Uh, A.J. Green is another big-time fade for me this year. And the word coming out of Cincinnati, there's a whole article in The Athletic about how you know look out for the look out for the Burrow Tyler Boyd connection. Talking about Justin Jefferson out of the slot, we were just talking about a minute ago from back in LSU, kind of likening what they're seeing out of that to the connection that, that Burrow had with, with Justin Jefferson back in college. All right, all right, just a few more here, brother, and I'm gonna get you out of here. I got to ask you about DeAndre Swift because uh, he's a great, great prospect, great player. I'm sure you should. Did he show up well in yards created? And then he did. Like, yeah. what do you what do you make of his ADP? I just it feels like he. Feels yeah. like you're kind of drafting a it's more of a dynasty interest for me. I think, yeah, I think you're drafting him at a ceiling, fifth, sixth round ADP in, in redraft. I you know. Uh look, the the Lions, the Lions have been wanting a multiple back committee for years. They've been talking about it for better or worse. They're they're gonna do it. They're gonna have, you know, Swift as the one A and, and carry on as the one B. Um, and even when carry on Johnson last year was kind of our workhorse back, he only got two or three targets per game. Um in his, you know, in his uh, play calling career, their their offensive coordinator has just uh, never really given the ball too much to his his um, in the passing game to his running backs, and um, I, you know that's where we wanted DeAndre Swift to go. Is we want him to go to Kansas City or uh, one of these teams that is going to feature him as a receiver. Oh, and yeah, the Lions just I just don't know the Lions are going to do it, man. Like Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones, they're going to soak up you know a big portion of the target share. T.J. Hawkinson's now in year two. Um, it's going to be hard for Swift to get to like. We need him at 55 to 60 targets, and I think that's like an ultimate, ultimate ceiling for him instead of a floor where we're Clyde Edwards-Alaire. I'd be shocked if he got, you know, less than 55, 60 targets. I mean, with this with this Lions regime, dude, counting on them to do anything smart is like it's a, it's, it, it's a it's an absolute fool's errand. All right, uh, I just 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 real just real quick here before I get you out. So, if you have to take one bucks bucks running back. Uh, one one bucks running back you got to take it their current adp yeah you could qualify by saying i don't want to but if i had to this is what i'm or maybe you're really into one i don't I, I, I don't know yeah ronald jones was uh a really nice value if you started drafting early in like may uh he was right. like seventh round pick and now he's into the fourth and fifth round which is insane no, no, uh, thank you. yeah no thank you on that <laughs> Keyshawn, i guess it's Keyshawn vaughn now just because he's so cheap you know he's, he's tw- i mean he's I, I got him in a simulation earlier at the 11, 12 turn. Yeah. I like, yeah. I did an underdog draft last night and he was in there. He was hanging around there in the 12th or 13th round. I was just like, you know, is my RB four, RB five, whatever, you know, if Rojo right. is not as good or maybe he does carve out that workhorse role eventually late in the year. At this point, I just think the answer to all the bucks running backs this year is no. And for better, I, I, th- I really think Bruce Aarons is going to use LaShawn McCoy. Like it's going to tilt all of us, but I, I really do think he's going to try to play McCoy and make that a thing. But uh, yeah, I, I just, the Bucks backfield is, I just feel like we're, we've been just chasing it for you know two years now. And this might be the third year where we're just chasing with no results. 
Well, you're one sharp dude, Graham, and a hell of a guy. I hope our listeners will go give you a follow over at Graham Barfield on Twitter. Of course, you can find his content at FantasyPoints.com. It's not just him, though, man. It's a lot of really, really great friends of Roster Watch over there, guys like Proctor, guys like Scott Barrett, guys guys like the guru John Hansen that we've just known for years, and we know that they put together uh, – quality products and not only they just like hard hard workers and you know that's that's something that you know it it takes um some like sometimes it takes a, a hard worker and a hustler to really recognize it and and others and they're they're, they're gonna be working hard for you over there uh, he has the two bars podcast which is with him and scott barrett is that its own podcast or you or or, or, or is it on the fantasy points feed how do you guys do that yeah it's it your it, own yeah, it's in the it's in the fantasy points feed, but it's kind of like a broken out type of show. Uh, it's it's okay. been it's been fun. Yeah, it's been really fun. Scott and I, it's been like a long time coming uh, for for Barrett and I. Well, you guys want to listen to that, and um, also they'll have the uh, the DFS pod on on Thursdays over there, and they'll do that with with John Proctor, Scott Barrett, and Graham. Just a, a bunch of different stuff to go check out. So uh, go give them a look over there. I'm going to get you out of here with just one more question, Graham. Um, so we have we're a month out from from kickoff. I can't believe it. We're getting closer and closer. Who's one player you're sure that we're going to see an ADP rise from? That if you're drafting now, you're you're going to get a value on because he, he's going to have a much higher ADP come September. Yeah, I, I think it'll be Jalen Rager, and we've already seen it. Um, he's he's gone from tenth, eleventh round into like the ninth ish. Uh, I think that should be even higher. Uh, I, I think we'll see Rager uh, maybe jump into the seventh. Uh, seventh round here pretty soon i mean it just comes down the eagles don't really have anything else i mean alshon jeffrey's going to start the year on pup uh george uh you know arthago whiteside is is not looking like he's he's going to do much of anything deshaun jackson is what he is at this point you know he's just a field stretcher i think rager has a chance to be a, a real alpha and uh i'm glad i loaded up because now you know he was free 12th 13th round this summer and he's now already you know going to the ninth 10th and i think we'll see it you know jump into the seventh here uh, when it's all said and done We'll be right back.